Welcome to the Vinyl Creature for Sunday, November 12th. I'm Pastor Matt Cable at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Paris. I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry, the University of Colorado Boulder. And every week we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. It's a good time. So uh, mid-November, what's going on? Uh, what's going on with you and your November? Matt, I have just parked football cars, cars for a football game for the last time until next fall. And for that, we give thanks, Matt. Football parking, not always fun. That's it? That's the last one? That's the last one. Against, Matt, uh, in the future, when people listen to this, uh, we will have just played... When people were preaching these texts, we will have just played and vanquished the mighty uh, Southern California Trojans. Really? That's when? Yeah, oh, November 11th. I'm wow. actually going to try to go to one of these foosball games. That's, that's your last game? You guys aren't, uh, you're not hosting a bowl game this year? <laughs> we do not typically host bowl games. Uh, <laughs> no, unlike, in Colorado? No? Unlike some of our friends uh, in, in sunnier climes, uh, <laughs> Colorado does not host, uh, unlike New Mexico, we, we, we're not as fortunate as Albuquerque who has the New Mexico Bowl. Um, sadly, Zach, we are not even halfway through our football games. Mm. That's, that's how brutal our fundraising schedule is out here. In fact, on Sunday, November 12th, we're once again going to worship somewhere else because the Los Angeles Rams, first place in their conference, I think, uh, still. Division. But, yeah. Division. Yeah, whatever. Whatever it is. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> They're gonna hit their home runs, shoot their three pointers. <laughs> it's gonna be great. I'll Get see you in a strike zone. Um, <laughs> Is there a strike zone anymore? I don't know if like uh, <laughs> you're a what, Dodgers fan. How what, do you feel about the strike zone? Yeah. What plans <laughs> does St. Mark's have for the Dodgers uh, parade? Is that are you guys on the route? What like? Oh gosh, man! If it goes to game, so we're um, we were gonna have the bishop a couple weeks ago, but we're hosting the bishop. Tomorrow night, which mm. could be Game Seven. <laughs> and your series. bishop is a Dodgers fan. I know it could be a little bit. He may cancel again. I don't. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen here. Um, mm. But I remember last year, Game Seven was also on a Wednesday, uh, but that game went on and on and on and on, so it was still going when I got home. <laughs> so I fully expect it to be a Game Seven right. for it to go. Well, late into the night. Did you appreciate the 50-plus texts that, that Adam and I sent to you uh, during Game 5 uh, in our group chat in which you did not participate? I did not. Did not. <laughs> just, let, just let those texts fly by. I saw them. I waved at them as they went by. <laughs> we discussed important things like the best Jewish player for the Astros. Adam happened to know who the the reigning MVP of the coastal the Pacific Coast League was. He's, he's really into his Albuquerque isotopes. He is into the isotopes, man. I am man, respect. Com- commit to community ministry. That's good. <laughs> That's why I'm going to commit to LAFC next year. That's right. <laughs> oh man, people people tune in for our sports takes. That's for <laughs> sure. So things uh, winding down, uh, as I said before, uh, I do kind of have a bit of a reverse semester. So uh, the further we get into the semester, the more relaxed my job is. And I do more and more sorts of coffees and one-on-ones, and we do less and less programming as students uh, 
uh, have more demands on their times from their studies. Uh, and it's a time of year that I really enjoy. Actually, uh, I don't really like doing lots of things. But I like hanging out, which is pretty cool. Uh, and it starts to feel like I might be a normal person. I think my time probably does average out to something that's healthy at the end. But the first couple months of the academic year are not a time in which uh, if you aggregated the amount of time I work and do not work, uh, it's probably not super healthy. But it's seasonal work. Um, so I ease and for this month or so. Uh, it feels like what I imagine a job should feel like. And then we'll, <laughs> then we'll dip into December or I can just do less work than most people do. Or that's what I tell myself. Because we need these myths to survive. That's good. That's good. I feel like that's uh, that's kind of my wife's schedule too. Although it's kind of, because she does less work uh, during the breaks. But probably this time of year when your students' schedules mm-hmm. are ramping up, her schedule is also ramping up because she's got to grade all that stuff that your right. students are doing. <laughs> so she's pretty crazy right now. I don't know what my, man, I don't know when the off, I don't know when the off season is. I haven't found it yet. I have not. You gotta create your own off season. I think you do. We have a whole bunch of youth retreats in November. I don't know why they line them all up one weekend after mm-hmm. another, but uh, tenth to the twelfth, the high school retreat uh, that I get to be the speaker at. I don't really know what I'm gonna talk Ooh, about yet. Oh, you're a speaker, <laughs> man. I know it's kind of fun, uh, except when I actually have to do it. It's fun to see my name in print, and then mm-hmm. when I actually have to do it, I'm like, uh, what am I gonna say? I don't know. And then uh, the following weekend will be our middle school gathering which i find super fun because we get a i get a free trip to disneyland <laughs> and the kids all get to laugh and geeking out about star wars that's hilarious fantastic so what i'm actually going to start switching over i'm starting to spend a lot of time doing it is i advise the, the national council of lutheran student movement uh so our gathering that happens over new year's is starting to come into focus so if you got the students out there get them registered up it's going to be good uh our keynote uh lineup is is nearly nearly fixed it's kind of hard to get it scheduled over new year's but matt do you want to know what we got what we have kevin strickland director of worship for the elca enemy of the pod what that's right he's going to be one of our keynotes we have Gordon Straw, uh, who's the, the the pastor of spiritual formation at the Lutheran School of Theology at Chicago. And yeah. uh, I am only certain enough to say it on a podcast that not that many people listen to. Uh, I think Linda Thomas is going to be the other one. So I think it's a nice little lineup. We're going to do excursions into the city. This is a pitch. You should send your students to Chicago. It's going to be great. Yeah. There might even be a live she- podcast there. <laughs> like we tried to do last time? Like we did last time. It had <laughs> quite the crowd. <laughs> yeah, Chicago, greatest city in the world. Definitely best time to visit. Uh, dead of winter. Dead of winter. <laughs> you will not be tempted to waste your time outdoors. <laughs> you will not. Oh, <laughs> uh, Good stuff, though. Yes, y'all should go. So, oh my goodness. I think it's time. T for T. Time for the texts. So I'm, uh, man, I'm switching over. I'm doing what you're not supposed to do. And I'm Whoa. going from the semi-continuous readings to the complimentary readings for November. Oh. Uh, then I get to use Amos. Ah. Mm-hmm. This is so good. <laughs> Amos 5, 18 to 24. Now, you might be tempted to fast forward to the end. The last line is... Spoiler alert, 
Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. I mean, quite honestly, like, there may be people in your congregation that don't know that, like, you could think of that as, like, the Martin Luther King. He uses that in the sermon. He drops that line. Um, but if you're not, like, super biblically aware of all of Amos, you might not know that's where it comes from, that that's a line that is directly out of Amos. For us preachers that revisit these texts again and again, we might be like, oh, yeah, that, no, obviously. But not everybody might know that. So to hear that from your uh, scripture reader reading Amos uh, might come as a familiar, you know, you hear this familiar song being sung uh, in this text. So that's cool. That's a fun ending. But I really like the first paragraph (laughs) because Amos says, alas for you who desire the day of the Lord. Why do you want the day of the Lord? It is darkness, not light, as if someone fled from a lion and was met by a bear or went into the house and rested a hand against the wall and a velociraptor arm came out and like jumped out. Oh my gosh. And it was bitten by a snake. It's not the day of the Lord. Darkness, not light and gloom with no brightness in it. Um, stranger things. Stranger things. This makes me think of like Indiana Jones mm. running. What? Oh no. Running from here to there. What is going on? Oh my goodness. Snakes. What? Oh, so good. So just uh, quite some quite some imagery there uh, to play with. So yeah, so that's Amos for you. Coming in strong with uh, with the thunder and lightning, the doom and gloom, and then ending with these two lines. But let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever flowing stream. Mm. Right. Mm. Goodness, Matt. <laughs> Do you want to talk Amos or do you want to pair it all together? Let's pair it all together. Boom, boom, boom. So in Matthew, we are getting towards the end. We're in the 25th chapter. Things are getting intense. The imagery starts to become a lot more apocalyptic as we inch closer to Christ the King, closer to Advent. And so we have a parable and a rather intense one. Uh, Jesus gathers his disciples around. Important note here, he had been talking to a lot of folks like the religious officials, the chief priests, the Pharisees, the judges, but now he's talking to the young crowd. And he says, uh, the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridemaids took their lamps, which is probably torches, so just to say it's more torches (laughs) than lamps, uh, went, went to meet the bridegroom. Five were foolish, five were wise. Uh, And when the foolish took their lamps, they didn't take any oil with them. They just had the lamps. And the bridegroom was delayed, and all of them became drowsy, and they slept. But at midnight, there was a shout, Look, here comes the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. It was their job to usher the bridegroom into the house and let the festivities begin. And all those bridesmaids got up, and they trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Please give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, they will not be enough for you and for us. Uh, scarcity. This is where we learn that Jesus is all about scarcity. Um, there won't be enough for all of us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourself. You better hit them oil dealers. Go to Texas. <laughs> this changes everything. <laughs> and when they were to buy it, the bridegroom came. They missed the bridegroom altogether. And those who were ready went in with him to the banquet. But the door was shut and later the other bridesmaids, 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 both plural, came. Also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Whew. What? Keep awake, therefore. You do not know the hour, nor the day. Mm. 
Yeah. So, you know, some little light, light, positive, mm-hmm. joyful texts. This is a... Uh, this is the joyful Sunday in in in, in, in Advent, right? Matt, let's yes. start by digging the hole. Okay, it's not deep enough let's already. Dig the hole. Let's dig it. get it deeper. A lot of folks uh, want to talk about these parables. We're going to get like three of them here in chapter twenty-five uh, as comparisons to uh, Sermon on the Mount. And I want to go back to the Sermon on the Mount to lift up uh, a Jesus saying in there that seems to completely contradict this story. Jesus says, if anyone wants to see you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. When folks talk about reading the Bible literally, uh, or having some idea that you can read it literally and that Jesus is really clear about what he says, um, hearing the wise bridesmaids uh, say, there's not going to be enough, so you can't have mine, uh, appears to be directly in contradiction to what Jesus said uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. If someone wants your shirt, you give them your shirt and your coat or your cloak, however it works. Uh, give more than they ask. And that's not what happens here. And it appears that the wise are being lifted up as uh, as an example, a positive example. Yeah, apparent contradiction. What do you do? I mean, these texts, they get, uh, it seems pretty... It seems pretty, uh, um, I don't know, it's pretty doom and gloom. These are good texts for when people when, when people say, um, hey, I don't like that God of the Old Testament. Give me Jesus, because <laughs> he is so much nicer. He's so nice. This is the text that you think of, right? That's right. Uh, I think there's tension even between these two texts, between Amos and Matthew this week. Uh, Amos is yeah. saying, uh, what do you think Amos thinks is more important, right? Having the oil for this wedding ceremony and making sure this wedding ceremony is properly fulfilled? Uh, we've got social science stuff behind like the role they're playing. It's a part of the ceremonies. Uh, and Amos says, no, God don't care about your ceremonies. Uh, give your shirt and your cloak. That seems to be what Amos is saying. What were the commentator makers thinking or the lectionary makers thinking here? These are supposed to complement one another. Well, they're both pretty scary, right? Like it's like um, <laughs> if you're <laughs> if you're like I think it's one of those things where if you um, you think everything's fine, you know, you're just like, yeah, everything's going to be great. And uh, I'm just going on to have it and it's going to be wonderful. And everything's everything's cool now and everything's going to be cool uh, in the last day. I've got nothing to worry about. This is a it's like it's a reality check. It's a reality check. Mm. And not just about I think I wonder if you can. You may go want to go in a different direction with this too, but um, I think that um, I think you got to go back to this thing that you had brought up several times when we were talking about the where we've got sort of um, a fire and brimstone looking God in the scriptures, and we go, oh, that seems really violent. It seems like God is super violent, and maybe. But the first thing we have to recognize is that we are violent, right? Mm-hmm. That in so many ways, like this is like holding up this mirror to us and saying, um, actually, we're worse off than we think we are. Um, we are, we should have a more pessimistic anthropology than we oftentimes do. That we're the violent ones. And that, um, and that if God's pissed about anything, God's pissed about that. And that making that right uh, might be painful for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hopefully the pain is not the end of the story. And, uh, and that is, that is what our, when we eventually get to the gospel, um, and I don't mean gospel text, I mean the gospel that we'll preach, uh, pains at the end of the story, but like, we've got so much wrong that, 
that it's, it's going to be a little more painful to fix it. And I think that's what both Amos and Jesus are getting at. It's kind of this, it's this alarm bell going off this wake up call. Keep awake. Kind of shake awake. you to get your attention. <laughs> I'm sorry. What were you, did you, what? Uh, <laughs> here's, I'm going to take us in a completely different direction, Matt. Yeah, go. And I think, I think we got some hope of tying this back around to Amos. One of the things that our good friends uh, Melina and Roba lift up this week is that in ancient Mediterranean society, they had a different understanding of time than we do. And time is really critical to this parable. It's a story about waiting. It's a story about keeping awake. Um, And there is that line where it says the bridegroom was delayed. One of the things we do uh, is that every couple of years we take a group of students down to to Guatemala to a village called uh, San Lucas Toloman. And one of the things that invariably happens while we're on the trip, because we have lots of folks who like to be on top of things, is that people in our group will get frustrated uh, with the pace of life and work. Um, (laughs) That we will get somewhere exactly when we're supposed to be there, and we'll all be there on time. But the folks we're meeting won't be there for 30 minutes, an hour. That, that we learn in the village that they have a different understanding of time than those of us who carefully manage our Google calendars on our phones so that I can get to recording a podcast from uh, <laughs> a late lunch with a student at Mud Market uh, and enough time to get to there from the coffee I was doing with the student at the library. And so the note that Melina and Roba lift up is that their understanding of time was not that, was not that the bridegroom is, is late. Uh, it's not what it says. It says it's delayed. Um, and their understanding is that things started on time. And what they meant by on time is they started when the person who mattered most showed up. Uh, and whenever <laughs> they showed up, that is when things were supposed to begin. People aren't, like, fussing around uh, the party because the bridegroom isn't there. Because the bridegroom's not there yet, so it's not supposed to start yet. I know uh, the Democratic nominee for president got in some trouble uh talking about cultural differences of time but i'm intrigued by time this week man i'm into time i mean we certainly have that in our community like people ask what time worship starts and it starts at 10 ish uh and it it really hit me when uh, we had an intern a couple of years ago and and her family was used to coming early on christmas eve to get a good seat and so <laughs> her family all came like an hour early for christmas eve service and like literally like nobody even comes on time for Christmas Eve service in my community. So that was really unnecessary. But usually most Sundays, like, you know, at 10 o'clock, which is when worship starts, there might be two or three people there. <laughs> there will be 60, 60 or 70 by the time we get to communion. Mm-hmm. And even the length of the service, like I know churches that are like, oh, man, you can't go over an hour. Like, if you go a minute over an hour, you're really going to have to, like, take a look at that service, and people are going to complain. And, like, my service, like, I mean, it might be an hour 15. It might be an hour and a half. Uh, it might be almost two hours. And nobody really blinks an eye unless, like, I don't know, there are different things that could happen that would make that a problem. But, like, again, like, none of those things would be unusual. <laughs> yeah. And so I wonder if this is a story about – this is a parable about waiting – a lot of the commentaries and commentators oftentimes, I think, read our understanding of time back into the text. So uh, they, they say that, right, that Jesus, Jesus and Paul thought the, the second coming was, was soon. 
but it turns out they were wrong. And so then the community had to wrestle with, what does it mean that Jesus didn't come back immediately? But that may not be there, have been Jesus nor Paul's understanding, is that that it's still on time. It's not going to... It's not going to be time for the event to happen until the the person who matters most shows up, and the person who matters most hasn't shown up yet. So uh, we wait, but it doesn't mean it's delayed, or 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 that we can assume that it's not going to be right now. And what do you like? How so? First of all, why isn't this an Advent text? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, because we're going to get almost the same line <laughs> in a couple of weeks. But also, like. I mean, I wonder what it says to us about what waiting, if we think about waiting, uh, what that looks like. So, um, so King is going to use this line from Amos, let justice roll in like waters and righteousness, like an ever flowing stream. And he's going to write, uh, he's going to write things like why we can't wait. Uh, and the people that he's writing to and, uh, letter from Birmingham jail the sense of gradualism, right? Just, just wait, just, just like, let's go more slowly. And he's like, no, like, there's an urgency to what we're doing here. Um, so how do you marry those two things together to use a, to use <laughs> bridesmaids uh, to say the sense of like, uh, keep awake, keep aware. Don't, uh, you know, like the thing doesn't start uh, until the important person gets here. And yet even in this time of delay, this time of waiting, we are to be active, right? So what does that, what does that look like? What does that, what does that mean? Yeah, I think I think that it's lifting up this form of waiting that is very active, that the wise bridesmaids are the ones who are active, right? They're doing, um, and they're not just active for the sake of being doing something to kill time, but they are prepared in preparing for the bridegroom to come right now, um, <laughs> and they're acting like it. Again, the text contradicts itself. We could go to Dr. King and to Amos, and we could say, you'll, you'll always have the poor with you. But but Amos says, no, uh, we could wait. Jesus is going to come fix all this anyway, right? No, we need to wait. We need to keep awake by being active as if, because not, not as if, that's too weak, um, but because Jesus is coming right now. And that means deep engagement to get the place ready for Jesus immediately. Does that yeah, make sense? I mean, well, does that come around a bit? <clears throat> I think so. I mean, what does it mean to take your oil with you? And even though with these parables, you can rarely draw an equal sign. Um, I think it is worth thinking if you're going to preach on this text as what is, what is that oil? What's that? What's that mean? What's it mean to take your oil with you? I think you have to think deeply about what the oil, what does it, what does it represent for you? What are you going to do with that image? Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning. <laughs> I uh, did a little bit of reading, uh, uh, Mark C. Taylor is one of my favorite people, uh, writers, theologians. He's a weird, obstinate dude uh, uh, who says he doesn't believe in God, uh, and yet he's a theologian, um, a secular theologian is what he calls himself. And it, one of his more recent books is called Speed Limits, and it's about the nature of time. Um, and so he's got this really nice line uh, where he says that the ecstasy of speed promises to realize the ancient dream of simultaneity in which the present becomes omnipresent, in which the, presence, the present is always present, right? 
The um, present is always present. Yeah. I mean, so Matt, um, this is, it's like, it's like the clock that my mother-in-law has that all of the numbers around, there's no numbers. It just says now. Yeah. All around. It's exactly <laughs> like that. Right. Um, in which the fullness of time is in the present is what Mark is critiquing speed, right. And our, our desire to do things as fast as possible. Um, uh, which we might be the critique of the, the, the foolish bridesmaids. Um, they don't have an interest in the present. They're more interested in the future and getting to it as soon as possible. But that dream that, 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 that Mark is lifting up is the dream of the present holding the fullness of time. So, yeah. So, um, so C.S. C.S. Lewis has a line about this that I vaguely recall when I used to read C.S. Lewis, where he'd say that, like, so God has a, there's, um, so God's on this plane of time that is like eternity, right? It's this infinity kind of time. And then we're on this very temporal kind of time. And we're on these two different kinds of time, right? Um, and obviously we're talking about things that are really beyond. So even though it sounds super simplistic, just go with it for a second. Um, but if God's time, like the present, like for like, we're on these two separate times. Right. And Lewis says that like the only point at which they intersect is in the present because the past, um, God's, you know, like God's past, our past, the future, the future, we're not, we're not there, but in the present, the present is the one point at which that eternal time and the temporal time actually intersect, which is kind of what you're saying about the present holding the fullness of time. Yeah. So the second, the, the line after the line I just read to you, Matt, <laughs> yeah. um, right. Um, it's the ancient dream of simultaneity in which the present becomes omnipresent. Once, not so long ago, this, here's the, here's the phrase I like, this timeless present was called eternity. And today it is called real time, 24 seven, 365. In real time, all times and all places are here and now. But the dream of omnipresence, like the dream of omniscience and omnipotence is an illusion. When everywhere is anywhere and anywhere is everywhere, the now here of presence becomes the nowhere of absence. Mm -mm. You, you could drop that mic if it wasn't so expensive. I would. I would. I mean, <laughs> so I think this is the kind of stuff that I would not say in a sermon, that I would say on a podcast about preaching. But it, was, it influences my thinking because I think that this parable is proclaiming the good news of now. And a now that's not a vehicle to get us to the future, but a now in which we can find that sort of ultimate future. Um, I think there's a lot of... I think you can get away with not going through all the loops, right? You can cut it to get there and make this a story about waiting because there's a million things to explain to, like, this is really foreign to us, that there's a practice of what they call like patra, patra local uh, marriage in which the marriage was fulfilled after the wedding happened and the bridegroom took the bride into the home that he had prepared and the party happens there and they have they consummate the wedding at the party and they bring the sheet out and everybody celebrates and stuff right um and this is a story about the role that the bridesmaids have in making that party happen and they're waiting for them to come so that the party in, can start in, in, in case you need an idea for your children's sermon <laughs> get, get there, a sheet from your there house it is. <laughs> so then you can cut the crap and just get to uh get to the to make it a story about waiting and an act of relaxed kind of waiting that says the, the present 
this is the time, this is the place in which the fullness of God's vision must be realized. And I think that moves you into that action of Amos. Yeah. A couple of years ago, like, there was a friend of the pod, Tim Brown, was posting about Tim Brown. I was posting about doing an extended Wait a advent. second. Is he like, a friend of the pod? Well, I don't know if we can be friends. <laughs> but, um, can you be friends sorry, Tim. with we love you, inanimate Tim. objects? As a pastor. We love you, Tim. We love you. So he had this, he had this, his church was doing like a seven week advent. They were extending advent like well into November. Um, and I think even if you don't do that, like these texts clearly start mm-hmm. to point you towards some of those themes. So if you're going to, I think that's, yeah, like if you want to start talking about waiting, then you might also think ahead because you're going to, it's not going to be the last time you're going to talk about waiting hmm. uh, in the next two months. So to kind of start thinking about that, and if it's something you want to develop over a couple of weeks, here's a chance to start. My favorite way of thinking about Easter is I'm really intrigued by the fact that the tomb was empty, that they didn't open up the tomb and Jesus was there like smoking a cigarette, like, all right, let's do this. Uh, But there's nobody there. Jesus has gone on ahead. And so my good news of Easter is typically, right, um, that the tomb is empty, that Jesus has gone on ahead of us. The future is held by Jesus so that we may live in this empty tomb in the present. And I see this parable as a story that kind of supports that way of thinking, that invites us um, not to speed, as, as, as Marcy Taylor warns us of, but of a slowness that's not a, not, not a slowness like Dr. King was speaking against, but a slowness that calls us to invest fully in where we are uh, and the realities yeah. of where we are. Sounds good. What are you listening to while you wait? Oh, man. <laughs> we have turned the corner into some real musical gold here. <laughs> Matt, you, what do you got? Oh, man. What do I have? There is a lot of options here. Oh, Matt, when I think about songs for this week, uh, one of the first places I normally start thinking about my sermons, just practically, some behind the scenes here, uh, is lying in my bed. You know, uh, I hear the clock ticking. It says now, right? And, and think of you caught up in circles of confusion and with the past the present is nothing new a flashback warm nights almost left behind suitcases of memory time after time <laughs> Matt time after time is going on the playlist this week uh, you can put Cindy Lauper on if you want it's lovely it's timeless uh, 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 what is it Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion an incredible film that features a, a dance number uh, that, that is set to Time After Time but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to listen to Iron and Wine's version of Time After Time uh, what? Iron and Wine has a version yeah that's right I'm also going to give you Rocket Man by Elton John because <laughs> I think it's going to it's <laughs> As we face our eschatological futures, uh, I think we're gonna be, it's going to be a long, long time till touchdown brings you down. But finally, Matt, the piece de resistance of the playlist this week, this goes back to the early aughts, uh, in which Ashanti got together with an up-and-coming rapper named Ja Rule with a song called Always on Time. I'm not always there when you call. Like Elijah on the top of the mountain in the silence waiting for God to speak. I'm not always there when you call, but I'm always on time. Ja Rule, Ashanti.
always on time. Fantastic. That's epic. It's an epic playlist. It's incredible. <laughs> I am impressed with me. <laughs> if you can post that uh, Elton John song, they just did a new video for Rocket Man. What? Uh, worth a worth a Google. They just did a couple new videos for classic Elton John songs, and there's like there's like a counterintuitive one for Rocket Man. It's worth a <sighs> worth a look. I think it's animated, but it's like a nice. Cool anyway, well done. Good playlist. <sighs> oh my goodness. Well, I'm a. Gosh, what am I going to throw out there? Looking at Amos, these people that expect one thing from the day of the Lord and end up getting, ah, uh, running from the lion, being met by a bear, ah, uh, going into the house, resting hands to the wall, bitten by a snake. Man, it's like, that's like, it's like rain on your wedding day. <laughs> it's like a free ride and you already paid. It's, it's so ironic. I or think, not, because it's not really irony, but you know, yeah, it's that yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> that video, man. <laughs> At the time I'd, I saw it for the first time in sixth grade, was the greatest piece of art I had ever seen. I mean, that's not that hard to like blow an eleven-year-old in Lincoln County, North Carolina, out of the water with with art. But just it's all her in different colored sweaters in the car. What? Oh my gosh. <laughs> What does that say about time and identity? Oh, we should just do a, do a whole pod. Can we do a special special edition pod just on Alanis Morissette, the theology of Alanis Morissette's ironic video? Just the video. Just the, just, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Matt, are you familiar with time dilation? I'm not, but I'm... <laughs> so it's the concept that's scientifically provable that time travel is kind of possible, and that's that when you travel fast, time goes slower. Uh, than it does for people who are traveling slower, right? So the idea is that if you went uh, like in a spaceship at the speed of light for a year, you'd come back to Earth and it would be a bajillion years later and you would be uh, only a couple years, old, like a year older. So it's like, what if Alanis Morissette's, all four of them were in a car that was traveling at light speed and she's really here from the future because the art is so incredible and that she gave it to us in 1995 from I the mean, future. She does She does play God in, dog, <laughs> in the movie Dogma. She does. I mean, just saying. There's a lot you could do here. One of the greatest travesties in Oscar history. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, also going to throw out there... Uh, First string scenes, darkness on the edge of town. Mm. We see this creeping darkness in these texts. And then the newer song uh, from John Legend's latest album, Darkness and Light. Uh, And the track Darkness and Light actually features Brittany Howard on vocals. Brittany Howard, singer of the Alabama Shakes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Phenomenal vocalist there. So John Legend and Brittany Howard with uh, Darkness and Light. Worth a listen. Nice. Nice. I like so it. So I got it's a good playlist. That's like an this. excellent playlist. These are, these are, these are some good, uh, yeah. Advent is one of the best times of the year for playlists. <laughs> Everyone, everybody in the lectionary pop music world knows that. <laughs> Truth. All right. All right, man. It's been real. It's been real. It's been real vinyl. Real vinyl.